You're, you're not, you're, you're not, again, Stephen, this is- Am I a value add to this part? People come here for the theme song. And, and they leave, <laughs> and they leave immediately after that. Because of the theme song, yeah, 100%, both things are true. This is nonprofits, I'm Frankie French. And I'm Stephen Campbell. Um, we've got a great episode for you. This is episode 10. What? Not the front door. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, we've got Charity from Feed the People Mutual Aid. Um, I, I did, when I initially uh, heard Charity was doing so much work, I, so much work in the community, I did find it very uh, fitting that her name is Charity and she's doing so much charity work. So we're looking forward to talking to her in a little bit. Uh, Did you know that there is, a, I don't know if it's a proven fact, but there's this saying that you are 80% of your name, like whatever your name means, like 80% of your personality is kind of born or driven towards that. So I find it like she is the definition of that statement. What would, what would Steven mean? Oh, it means entitled white dude. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's about eighty percent. That's about eighty percent of what I'm working with. But like, my real name is Bahija. Like my God-given, well, actually Allah-given Muslim name that's on my birth certificate. How do you say it? Bahijan? Oh God, no, Bahija. Bahija. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah. What does that mean in in Islam? So growing up, I was always told that it meant beautiful, right? And <laughs> doy. Uh, but then I found out in real life, one, that parents are liars was the first thing <laughs> I found out. And then the second thing I found out, it actually means joyful, um, you know, which is interesting. So I've been clinically depressed for most of my life, but whatever, whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> my, my, Stephen was the first martyr in the Catholic Church. He was the first deacon in the Catholic Church. And, well, and so that's that kind of deacon. That's like a very high no, it's that I mean it's that type of deacon. It's just a different different church. But that was just a lot of pressure to put on like I learned that at like three years old that you were just like you were oh, wow. named after a dude that fucking died for the church. Ooh. And then I immediately yeah, started are you guys gonna kill me? <laughs> You poor baby. Oh, you have had struggle. I'm sorry. No, I, well, I, um, did you, did, so you were brought up strict, strict, like pretty strict about it. Yeah. Oh, extreme. Yeah. Very strict. I, we used to have, I pray like even now when I pray, like, even if I say a prayer in my mind, I pray in Arabic because that's what I grew up with. And that's really, yeah. mm -hmm. Um, I'll never forget. I was getting my eyebrows threaded. And one of my favorite surahs. So the surahs, if most people don't know this, they're actually songs. And so you can get, and a surah is like a prayer in Islam, right? Mm. And, uh, but they're also, they are also, those surahs are also songs. When you pray, you really, you're supposed to sing it. Um, not just, you know, say the words. 
And so I was getting my eyebrows threaded uh, and the young lady threading my eyebrows was playing the Sura, a Sura that I knew, one of my favorites. And so I was singing along with it and she was so confused. She was like, wait a minute. I called her mom into the room. Like, mom, get in here. I'm, I think we broke her. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but she's singing along. With, she's like, how do you know this? And I was like, well, it's, you know, it's just, I know the Sura, you know, whatever. And they're like, and so now, like, I'm golden whenever I go there. They're like, oh, this is family. Like, that's one of the beautiful things about Islam is like, if you are, and especially if you know Arabic, that's like a whole other level of acceptance. It's really kind of dope. And so, can you speak Arabic outside of the Syrahs? I mean, no, I, 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 well, a little bit. Like, I can tell you to shut up, calm down, slow down, hurry up. You know what I mean? But no, I don't have anyone that I talk to in Arabic. But, also, there's like trauma associated with that for me, too, because we were like very much forced to learn the language, to do it properly. Sure. You know what I mean? So there's, you know, I have issues with it. I'm, I don't subscribe currently to any um, organized religion. You know, I, I like to say I'm spiritual. Um, that's you know, the basic white bitch in me, but whatever. <laughs> um, I'm more like spiritual. I mean, like crystals and stuff. Yeah, but I like the idea that you subscribe to a religion like you would like Amazon Prime. Yeah, like and subscribe, dog. Like right, where you can pause your subscription from time to time. I mean <laughs> I mean freedom of speech, right? Or free religion. What's what's that? It's a thing in the constitution, right? About freedom of religion, freedom of speech, or something like that, right? Am I a lunatic? No, no, no. That's a thing. That's yeah, a thing. okay. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I feel like that that's yeah. Does so does Islam do what Christianity does in that it tries to make its songs cooler and more appealing to a younger population? No, Islam doesn't. Well, maybe now. I, I don't know. I haven't practiced or really been immersed in the culture in a while. Um, but from what I can remember, no. Uh, Islam is pretty, you know, by the book. They keep things pretty pure. Um, and, and there's different sects of Islam, too. You have, you know, Sunni. My family started off as nation and then transitioned into Sunni. Um, yeah, so I was married to a, a Sunni Muslim guy. That's a whole other story that we will... Uh-huh. It's not a good story. (laughs) Wait, okay. So I know, so Shiite and Sunni, what, what is, do you know what the major difference is between the two? I am not going to step in that puddle. Like we're, I am not going to put my foot into that hole right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, so yeah, so that's a little bit more. Now you know me a little bit better, friends. We're, we're, we're just one episode at a time. Just learning more (laughs) more about each other. Um, So we're going to talk to charity in a second and um a lot of the work that she's doing is helping people in the community making sure that everybody's fed making sure that everybody has basic the, needs met i think the most basic part of it too yeah yeah making sure they have things like um to keep themselves warm this is sp- specifically feed the people if i'm not wrong you know i'm going to say what what i am aware of and then charity will 100% come and correct anything that i get wrong okay. Um, but I believe that they work specifically with the unhoused community here locally in the district. And I think they also partner with different groups nationally, I want to say. I don't, she's not shaking her head. Okay, I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> no, no. Okay, that's, I'm not correct there. But, um, and they go out and pe- people donate money, they donate uh, supplies, and they go out and make sure, like Stephen said, that people are fed, um, have blankets, 
and different, um, you know, basic personal human needs that we all, if we're being frank, take for granted. Uh, I know, I don't know about Stephen, but I know we like to share stories about our personal experiences and depending on what the social issue is we're talking about. Sometimes we'll share uh, jokes kind of around that issue. I don't have any specific jokes around this. However, I can definitely share some of my stories. I have been an unhoused person at um, a different point in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I know, I remember the feeling. It's a very terrifying, and I, and I can only speak from my perspective. I can't, I'm not going to say that this is what every person experiences or this is how every person feels. But I remember for me and my experience, I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was in the street, like literally in the street. I had nowhere to live. Um, I had no family. I had no one that was interested in helping me. And, um, and maybe I, I was just ignorant to any organizations that could help, um, but I didn't have any contact with any sort of intervention services or anything like that. And I remember, especially from a woman's perspective, it's, a, it's very scary. It's very terrifying. People... You know, there's people in the world and kind of walking around on the earth that are looking to prey upon other people. And mm. the unhoused is a very vulnerable group. Um, you know, and, I, and I've had, you know, just my personal kind of creed is if when I have money, cash of any kind, if I'm out in the world and I come across someone that is um, panhandling or, or needs help, I, it's gone. I give it, you know, because in my mind, even if I'm not doing well financially, in my mind, I feel like, well, this person doesn't probably know where their next dollar is coming from. I have a pretty good idea where mine's coming from. So this is my last $5. Guess what? That's yours. You know what I mean? Here, take it. And I've heard the, this argument that I find so irritating. Well, what if they're going to go spend it on alcohol or drugs? You know what? My opinion, so fucking what? Spend it on alcohol. If that's what you want to spend it on, spend it on alcohol and drugs. Because oftentimes, and again, just from my own personal experience, oftentimes that's one, the thing that's getting them through to the next day. You know what I mean? Sure. Think of how stressful it is, Stephen. You know what I mean? For, for people inside of homes during the pandemic. Think of how stressful that is. You know what I mean? And, and some of us drink, some of us smoke, some of us eat, you know, or, or walk, exercise, whatever it is that we do to alleviate that stress. This person has no home. They have nowhere to live. So fucking what if they go get a bag of weed or whatever their thing is they're doing with that money? So what? I'll never forget. This is the cutest story. My husband is so adorable. Am I talking too much, Stephen? No, you're good. Okay, cool. I'm going to keep going. So my husband's so adorable. Um, we're, we're driving down uh, or parking to go to the Walmart on 8th Street right here in D.C. Re this is relatively recent. And <clears throat> we're walking up. This gentleman comes up. Hey, brother, <laughs> can you think you could spare some, some potato salad? And, and so my husband goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and me, I'm just taken aback like, did, did this, that's not a real request. But think about it. This is potato salad. It's filling. You know what I mean? That's going to stick to your ribs for, for a while. But this is how cute my husband is. We get inside. He's like, man, I can't just get this man potato salad. He needs some mains, right? <laughs> so he goes through and gets this man uh, like a whole meal, some chicken, some cornbread, some juice to wash the food down, but also some water to stay hydrated. And we came out and this man was so, and this was a nothing thing, like total cost, maybe like $10, $11. You know what I mean? But to this, this man, this gentleman, he went and he went across the street, got, got like two of his homeboys and they got, they had food. 
You know what I mean? They had an actual meal to eat, you know, that's going to sustain them for however long. That's a nothing thing we can do. That's a nothing thing to do for another human. You know what I mean? On the flip side of that, though, I did experience, and this is a thing that you want to make me irate. You want to see my blood boil and me possibly choke you in the street. Pretend to be afflicted with a thing and let it not, and let me find out it's not true. Mm. I had this dude one night, I was coming home from D.C., we were living in Manassas at the time. It was me and my husband. And it was probably about, it was late, probably like 1130 midnight. And it was snowing. It just started snowing. So my heartstrings are like, they're open. If you have a problem in the snow at midnight, yes, you can have it, right? So I see, we see this car and this guy, and there's like stuff in the car. There's an old man in the car. There's a baby in the car and a woman in the car. And this guy comes up. He's like, hey, man. We just ran out of gas. You know, we don't have any place to live, blah, blah, blah. Do you think you can help us out with a dollar or two for gas? And so I, I tell my husband, like, hey, I have a 20 in the center console. Just give them that. Let them get what they need so they can make it home, right? And they, we give them the money. We put gas in our car and we went home. We were gassing up so we wouldn't have to do it early in the morning, right, for work. Two days later, I see this dude again at another spot laying the same line, right? And I'm like, hmm, you never know. You can run out of gas twice. You know what I mean? That can happen. <laughs> I see him a third time. And then, and as I'm looking at him, somebody walks, he's like, oh, yeah, that, that dude, he's a known, you know, he's a known drug addict. Oh, no, he lives in the, you know, the trailer houses right there. He's, no, he has a home. This is his hustle, though. And I, and I was so... <laughs> I raised so my husband's like, babe, just leave it alone. You gave the money to give it, which is true. It's very true. But don't dupe me and take money that I could have given to someone that needs it, man. Like, don't do that. Sure. And so did I follow him? Yeah, I followed his car. Did I run up on him in the 7-Eleven? 100% I ran up on him in the 7-Eleven and busted his whole game up. I was like, nah, don't give this dude another penny. He is out here hustling people that are working for their money and taking money from people that could potentially need it. Don't be that guy or or woman or anyone. Don't be that. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's gross. But that's that's my experience. I hope you know. Sh- I, I don't know. Shed some light on my perspective and thought. Sure. I um, I when I was making money, I did also make it a make it a thing to like constantly have cash on me so that I could just it was the, the only thing I used cash for that and drugs but I um I I there was this guy and so I used to live in the U Street area in DC and this guy was who's begging for money and so I was just like yo like I'm going to grab a, a sandwich in here like let's just grab a sandwich together so sat down with homie and we started talking and he had literally just got let off the bus after serving a minimum 25 cent, 25 year mm. sentence for crack at like 19. Right. Mm. And which is wild. Cause that meant that he got hit whatever it would have been two or three times for crack as a teenager. And then I just think about like, yo, I was addicted to Zelda. Like I, like I was addicted to like Nintendo 64 as a teenager. Like you think about like how much easier or like how you can get hooked to a lot of things when you're impressionable and a teenager and all that shit. Um, and it was just this eye-opening thing of like, 
it's it's always hard depending like when you look at a person to to not quickly come to assumptions about that person you know what i mean like whether he's a motherfucker singing on a train too loud or like whatever it's hard to not have an immediate judgment of your preconceived notions of who that dude is what that and it was just this thing of like shit like that that was just it so he had just served his minimum sentence and so now he's shown up to u street which 25 years prior to that completely right like there were not as many japanese portuguese fusion restaurants when he was in the area and so and he was just saying that like all of his friends that he's got that are in the area they're like deep into crack still and he wants to stay away from that but also none of the people that he knows in the area live there anymore because they, they've been gentrified out. And so it was just this like really heart wrenching story to hear that he was on the beginning of trying to get back into society without, you know, it's not like, it's not like the job training in prison is, tip top you know what i mean like so like he just had so many obstacles working against him and had already lost 25 years of his life due to those pre-existing conditions that he had come up in um that's so like that's the kind of stuff that just guts me at my core you know what i mean because the issue is so cyclical and it's so much deeper than people like i'll never forget i was driving into dc for something and I'm at a stoplight and I look to my right and there's this man in a business suit on a cell phone, literally stepping over this unhoused person that's just that's trying to get a nap. And I'm looking, I'm like, this is this, that's our pro- that's the issue right there. It's like we if it's not directly affecting us in some way, it's almost like people just don't care. Sure. You know what I mean? And bigger than that, look, think about that. Like you said, you were addicted to video games at 19. That was a kid at 19 but black people at 19 are already seen as like we're seen as adults at, at 10 sure, you know sure. what i mean if we're tall enough to see over the steering wheel up oh, adult i'm trying you as an adult you know what i mean and this young man lost his whole life now he's coming out still a child in a lot of ways but again he's an adult legally yeah. and, and 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 if we're speaking in numbers what's how is he going to now stay home sober safe how are you going to do that yeah. yeah so and, and it's hard to, I mean, I'm running a company right now and I catch myself getting discouraged as fuck when sales aren't coming in. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I when, completely get that. Right. Yep. And, and it's difficult to maintain a cheery disposition through the pandemic, through all these things. And to expect somebody to quote unquote pull them up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps Oof. is I hate that. I hate that phrase. That was uh, also in in the U Street area. There's this dude outside of a Trader Joe's, and you know he was he was begging for money, and and I was again sandwiches. Pretty much any sort of problem that I encounter, I think sandwiches are the solution. But um, so I went. Not wrong if I have an issue. If you throw a sandwich my way, ah, all this I don't eat carbs, so a lot's gonna be forgiven. A oh my god, I fucking I love a good sandwich. And, but so I, uh, I I came out to give the guy a sandwich, but this dude is wearing a Georgetown 
shirt. He's got his his boat shoes on. And that was that was the comment. It was like, get a fucking job. Was you know, and it wasn't even like there was no emotion in it. It was just like this knee-jerk reaction to when I see a human being in this condition, these are the words that come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um and it was it, it just like really like hit me to the core that like that you could be so insensitive to another human's suffering that you have a canned hurtful response just when you see you know what i mean that it's like it's like calling somebody fat every time you see somebody that's overweight like it just that you can be so far removed from human suffering that that's that's a lot of americans that's their existence you know what i mean like we are such a selfish society unfortunately you know what i mean and the only things that are important are just what's in our orbit oftentimes you know what i mean and a, a lot of us those of us like i know you are someone who feels and you're empathetic you know when it comes to human suffering but most people that's our frame of reference sure. most people don't have that fr- frame of reference you know what i mean and bigger you know bigger than that they feel personally attacked when you bring it up, you know, it's almost like racism with, with certain white people when you want to talk about racism. Well, that hurts my feelings. So you, you, we can't talk about it. Why, what? <laughs> Why is it hurting your feelings? And how, 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 how are you going to receive education to grow beyond it if you are taking it as a personal attack? But yeah, a lot yeah. of us, you know, when I say us, Americans come, that's our mentality. That's, look at, we, got, we had Trump for four years. Do you think that came from some altruistic, you know, sense of unity? <laughs> no, that came from a bunch of people selfishly wanting to hold on, maintain, and and keep this reign of white supremacy firmly in pre- in place, uh, so that they don't lose what it is they think is their country. You know what I mean? That's you know on a on a very basic level, but you know what I mean. So. Sure. I forgot where I was going with that. But yeah, a lot of people do oftentimes have those canned knee-jerk responses. Oh, get a job, idiot. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. They have those responses because in their mind, my family immigrated here and blah, 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 blah. And they came with $5 in their pocket and an onion. And what they, they opened a whole restaurant with that one onion because onions have layers. Boom. Nailed it. That's I the story of Outback Steakhouse. That's the story about backstage, <laughs> you know. But I also uh, had an unhoused man nuzzle my bo- bosom once. That that okay. happened. So, <laughs> so I'll tell the story, and and partially not his fault. We'll we'll just we'll disagree to that. I'm about five eight, right? And if I have heels on, I'm a solid six footer. Okay, and I'm I'm walking to a show one night. And if you know Frankie, you know, (laughs) mama likes to have the girls out any opportunity she can. (laughs) So the the puppies were popping. They were out. They were large. They were lifted up and poked out. And I had a, like a jean jacket on and I'm walking in. I smoked cigarettes at the time. So this is a long time ago. Um, And I'm walking into a 7-Eleven to get a pack of smokes. And there was a gentleman outside. Now, respectively, he was probably 5'3", 5'4". And I'm not being a heightist. There's a reason I'm saying that. So about 5'3", 5'4". And he's like, hey, sis, can I, can you, you know, spare some money? So I said, yeah, as soon as I come out, so I had no cash, but I was going to pay with my debit card and I was going to hit, you know, cash back, get like five, 10 bucks, give it to him on my way out. But the store didn't have any cash back. 
So I, I couldn't get, they had no cash back option. So I, I lean out the window. I'm like, hey, do you smoke cigarettes or do you want something to eat or water or whatever? And he's like, yeah, you, can you give me some? And I was like, bet, gotcha, I'll get you some cigarettes, right? And I think I got him water or something like that and a pack of cigarettes. And I come out and I'm like, here you go. And he says, like, man, thanks, uh, mom. Can I have a hug? And my brain automatically says, yes, of course you can have a hug. You're a human. And, and, and I feel like in this moment, I can give you this love of a hug and you can feel like a human. Like there's no reason why I should not hug you. You know what I mean, right? So I hug him and his face is literally boob level. And he <laughs> just went, <sighs> and then... There may or may not have been a a mild one. <laughs> not, not, I'm not kidding. And I was about to get very upset. I was about to get very upset because sexual harassment. And then I said, you know what? These are the cleanest boobs he's going to get to nuzzle. <laughs> I don't know when this gentleman's going to have another opportunity to nuzzle a pair of Coco Chanel titties. Who knows when? <laughs> I'm going to let this man live. I'm going to let him have that. And I said, you know what? I dapped him up, we finished our embrace, and I went on to my show and murdered with that story. But yeah, so, <laughs> you know, different strokes for different folks. I also have a friend who was in um, Frisco and standing at a bus stop, and a gentleman walks up behind him, whispers in his ear, and he says, I won't piss on you for a dollar. You know, so there's all kinds of ways to fundraise, is all I'm saying. <laughs> all kinds of ways. On that note, we've we've got we've got Charity waiting, and we are so happy to have her. So excited! Uh, what's that, Frankie? I said so excited. She's not only one of the most charitable, wonderful people I know. Have you ever seen her stand up? Oh yeah. First off, bitch. Okay. First of all, yes to all of it. It's so good. Like, ladies and gentlemen, Charity Shade. Charity. Hey. Hey, hey. Thank you so much for coming on. We cannot Thank you for me. You better shut your beautiful face. So I need to make the comment that our producer said before. Because we were <laughs> so you guys know Stephen and I. This is the look. Stephen, you know, usually he's also got a beanie and glasses and a hoodie on. I don't know what, I mean, why aren't you in uniform today, Stephen? But whatever. Um, this is usually our look. Charity, we're just like, oh, I didn't realize we were talking to one of America's next top models. And then our producer said, unmutes his mic and he goes, you look pre-pandemic as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's her new credit and we love it. Just once always in looking. a pandemic look. What'd you say? That. I said once in a pandemic, no other time. No yes, way. yes, yes. Um, so Charity, real brief elevator pitch of what y'all are doing and then a little yeah. bit longer of what has the last year looked like for you guys. So uh, Feed the People is a mutual aid station that goes out into DuPont Circle, Union Station, and Noma every Saturday from 3.30 to 5 p.m. Um, we distribute meals and any other needs that people in the community are asking for. So one week it might be blankets and tents. Next week they're asking for batteries and lanterns for um, said tents. It really just depends. We try to provide the things that are being asked of us. And what what is a mutual aid as opposed to like a nonprofit? 
So mutual aid is just people coming together, providing the resources that people need. So it might be for um, unhoused uh, neighbors, or it might be for someone that lives next door. They're like, oh, hey, I need a cup of sugar, or I need you to fix my bike, and you have the skills to do that. That's mutual aid. Um, a nonprofit. I'm sorry. No, I was saying I love that. That's yeah. That's a real community. I love that. Yeah, it's, it, that's exactly what it is. Just community, like people coming together with the skills and the things that they have, and trying to work it all out. So like um, a DIY nonprofit kind of. Yeah, kind of. So like nonprofits, it there's a lot more red tape, right? So it's government based. You have to like register with the government. You have a whole like there's a whole tax thing. There's red tape around. Um, especially when you have grants, like the thing, people that you can serve um, and then what kind of qualifications they need to meet to receive those services. With mutual aid, there's no questions asked. There's no red tape. You just come up, you get it, you leave, you stay, whatever you need to do. Um, so it's a lot, the low barrier. I love that. That's fantastic. And, and so you guys do this every Saturday. How do people, where does your funding come from? How do you get funding? How do people donate? You know what I mean? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, so um, we created a link tree and people sometimes donate monetar monetarily or they will. There's also Amazon and Target wish lists where people can mm. choose things off the wish list, which they change um, regularly depending on what the needs are um, and things that have been asked of us. So we upload stuff and people can shop and send it to our PO box. And we, as soon as we get it, we take it out every Saturday. What's so, a, a link tree? Um, it's, uh, let me find it for you. I wish I had it memorized. That's it's okay. While tree. you're looking for that, can you also, um, in the chat, can you send our producer the links for the Amazon and Target wish list? Oh, it's actually, that's the great thing about the link tree. Everything is all listed in yes. one space. I know. Send us that link so or, or put it in the chat so that we can send it out right now to all of our viewers. And then they'll they'll have it. They can share it. You guys, hello. While you're sitting out there watching, even if you don't have money to donate, you should donate. But even if you don't, please share the link. Um, and so that people in your network that maybe want to get involved, that want to share on this link, do you also have your meeting locations and things like that if people want to physically get involved? Um, those are typically, you can contact us on there. There's an email, um, but those are all on our Instagram uh, page where we're going to be every week. Um, sometimes that'll change. We just recently expanded to Union Station and Noma. So it's awesome that we're able to provide more things to more people. Was this so something happening pre-pandemic? Um, there's always been mutual aid. Mutual aid is like as old as time, right? If we're helping neighbors, it's mutual aid. Uh, when you were doing potato salad with the mains, mutual aid. <laughs> tell, tell Charles it was mutual aid. He's all good. All those sandwiches, Stephen, mutual aid. You out here doing mutual aid. Um, well, you got Stephen. That was mutual aid. That's what's up, dog. I love it. What is what's been the biggest? What's how has the scope looked though? From because I know you've been doing charity for a long time. So. Yeah, so yeah, pandemic and, and during the pandemic, what does that look like? Because you've, you've had to literally, Charity, from what I understand, put your body and your life on the line to help a lot of people. You know what I mean? That's a reality for you. Can you talk to us about that and what that looks like? Yeah, so um, a lot of the people that I organize with were anarchists, um, and we do a lot of marches uh, against the state. 
Um, and I get, and mutual aid is literally a political, political participation where you're involving yourself to be able to help your neighbor in ways that the, the system cannot. And so the system typically doesn't like that, um, <laughs> because you are, uh, bucking up against something that they want people to rely upon. Um, and so, I mean, it's changed a little bit for me pre-pandemic. We just started doing um, the mutual aid station about seven months ago. I mean, okay. yeah. So prior to the pandemic, I've done nonprofit work, um, but not, and I've done mutual aid as well, but not to this capacity. How many um, people do you think you guys service in a weekend? Uh, ooh, we usually make over 200 meals every Saturday. So we, we cook and prepare and box like 200 meals, a bunch of, uh, on top of the hot meals, we usually have sandwiches. Um, there's snacks, food. So probably over 200 people a weekend, That's which bad. is small in comparison. There's 7,000 unhoused people in Washington, DC. Um, so we're trying to make a dent in that <laughs> as much as we can. Can I ask, so yeah, I, I know that there are a lot of answers to this, but when somebody is unhoused, mm-hmm. where where do the majority of meals come from? Is it mostly through, um, it? I, I guess just open question of where do most meals typically come from if you are unable to get meals? Or I guess pay? it just depends, like, um, you know, we don't want to, label unhoused comrades as a monolith like some people are going to soup kitchens or they are able to make their own food in the encampment that they're living in um if they have like a grill or something um there are other mutual aid orgs that are going out and doing work um there are nonprofits that go out and provide meals in different parts of the city every week um you know so it just it depends and to that point, so when you're talking about not talking about any group as a monolith, um, <clears throat> I know that the term homeless is outdated. Mm-hmm. That was news to me very recently. Why is that? Um, when, you're, when you say homeless, you automatically have this idea or you try you paint a picture in your head. It's derogatory. It is very dehumanizing to call someone homeless. When you use the term in a house, it puts the onus on the system that has policies and systems in place that are oppressive and make people marginalized and potentially uh, struggle with their housing rather than putting the onus on the person. Mm-hmm. Like the gentleman okay. we were talking about earlier, Stephen, the guy that had just come off of a 25 plus year sentence him not having a home really wasn't in a lot of ways his fault you know what i mean so you know yeah i I get that 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 and and so everyone's clear i'm just learning understanding that too i try to use make sure i use the proper term so that i'm i'm not hurtful and offensive um but what the the difference was i didn't i'm just learning that right now in this moment as well or you can say the person without a home or put the person first. I think that's the big thing. Person first and their situation second. Gotcha. Right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense that way. How can, um, what can everyday people do? Like how can, what kind of, kind of small incremental, like if they can't necessarily physically get to, to help, if they can't, um, 
if they if, it, like, if they're necessarily not necessarily able to financially support, what are some small things people can do to yeah. you know to help? Um, I think the good thing, the cool thing about mutual aid is that it's whatever we can bring to the table. So say you are cleaning out your closet and you have a bag of clothes that you're not going to use. You can put them on a table outside of your house and say free clothes. Mm, You don't have to, it doesn't have to be this big fancy thing. Um, You know, if you see, if you know of someone that might be in need of a hot meal, share that information. Um, (laughs) Sharing information about any other mutual aid stations that you might see online um, if you are remote, you can reach out to the organization and see if there's anything that you can do from home, like reaching out to restaurants to get meals. Mutual aid is trying to like use your own imagination, what seems uh, feasible for you to do. And when you're saying uh, to like find mutual aid organizations online, are there like centralized websites that sh- it like, is there a DC centric one? Is there one that you can look at nationwide that shows where mutual aid organizations are in each like individual area? No, there's usually not a website that will have everything in one little neat package, unfortunately. Um, but if you, if you do a hashtag mutual aid or DC mutual aid or something like that, wherever, whatever city you're in, usually it'll pop up. Um, is it possible to make a mutual aid network? You know what I mean? Where people yeah. are working kind of in tandem across the country to organize things. Is that a thing that happens currently? Um, sometimes not really. I mean, yes and no, um, because the needs of people might be different in every place, but it is kind of cool to be able to be connected. And I've reached out and talked to other orgs to kind of see what they're doing. And it inspires you to do similar things or something like that in your own city. Um, but I think that's a really good idea to kind of have like a, like a network, like a hub, like a mutual aid web to where we can. Yeah. Where people can be connected and you can have a group that works towards fundraising (laughs) for the nonprofits. You can have a group that works towards (laughs) fundraising and that those funds are kind of equally dispersed. You get what I'm saying? Like it's a centralized hub that kind of funnels money and resources into these groups. I don't know. I just feel like. Well, we, we don't call it fundraising and mutual aid. We call it redistribution. Redistribution. Oh, dope. Yeah. I love it. Robin Hood in it. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you find that if a lot of people within your network are like anarchists and stuff like that, do you find that organization between, does that have limits in its ability to organize between people? Mm, that's a good question. Because there's no like hierarchy and there's like right. no st- system in place. Um, it can. We make it. We make do. Um, I think with with it, it's not going to be perfect every time. But it's about like mobilizing and not waiting for that perfection. Sure. Um, and also, people. The good thing about it is that you don't have to wait for someone else to tell you what to do to step up to be able to do it. So in, in some ways, it can be a bit of a challenge, but in other ways, it really allows a lot of freedom to help more and, and do things that you wouldn't be able to do in a nonprofit. I don't want to... Was that you, Stephen? Is Darth Vader at your house? What's happening? Um, one, of, one of my, I guess, personal... I don't want to call it a struggle because it's not a struggle, but 
Um, I don't know what to call it, but I'll explain what I'm talking about and then we can figure out how to label it if we need to. Um, when I was uh, younger, <clears throat> I used to do um, a, uh, AIDS awareness and intervention and prevention in New York City schools. And one, those teenagers knew way more about sex than I did. I did not, I was not qualified <laughs> to talk to those kids. Um, at the same time, I found that I would often, I am very much an empath and I would get so emotionally attached to people. And I have a very difficult time keeping that separation and not, for, not because I don't wanna feel anything or be compassionate, but it's um, for me, it's almost debilitating sometimes trying to wanting to help and working towards helping and dealing with my my uh, my heart. If that does that make sense? Yeah, not having I mean boundaries are helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bitch, you need boundaries, okay? You need to know your no no spots, girl. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I feel you. Like you want to do all of the things, all the things, man. And feel I, all, yeah. All the yeah. stuff and all the come and live at my house. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's, yeah. So that's why I, that's why I got like started turning the company into fundraising specifically, like because it just got to the point that there were too many causes that I wanted to engage with, and you just nobody has the capacity to engage with all of the causes. So fundraising was just kind of a way to be able to dabble without you know, really going all the way. Cause like, like we talked before, like food security is kind of the space that, you know, it's like where my master's is and all this stuff. Um, but that like, and the reason that I, that food was so important was like that covered so much that was social justice, that was environmental, that was health, that was, uh, you know, just all sorts of different causes. And so like, that's kind of where I started focusing on food because it had intersectional, such a, I think is the word you're looking for. Yeah. I was going to say huge intersection, but then <laughs> intersectionality. Okay. But, um, but then fundraising just had more, more so intersectionality just because you could go week to week and speak to, you know, for, for nonprofits, for example, like we can go week to week and keep on talking Mm-hmm. about different causes and raising money for different causes and stuff like that. Um, and raising it, awareness too. Yeah, it is draining to really, really try to engage with all the causes. Um, there's, you know, I try to be somebody that really tries to keep a positive uh, outlook on life and tries to maintain my own uh, personal mental well-being. And when you are constantly engaging with all the things that need to be fixed the shit can be very very draining absolutely that's why charity and i'm not saying this because she's here and i'm not saying this because i love her um, on the side as a friend i'm not saying this because she's a super talented comedian i'm saying it because it's so true i just i literally literally stand in awe of this woman because she i I don't i don't know how she i do not know how she does it i don't know how she has the energy the mental capacity i don't know how you, how do you keep your cup full? How does charity keep charity's cup full? Seriously, because you are constantly, okay, hmm, I got 3,000 cups. Okay, I got it. I'm going to fill my cup and I'm going to pour, pour, pour. Like you, that's you. Like you are a machine. You're a machine. How do you do that? I, whoo, some days it's a struggle, right? Like those boundaries we were talking about, working on those myself. It's a thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see how it is. 
because you don't have no boundaries. No, I'm, Listen, I'm human. Um, I think if I didn't have it, it's not just me. If I didn't have the people around me helping or doing the things, I wouldn't be able to function and do the things. Um, but I need my space. I need to be in out in nature and, and grounding myself and all those woo-woo things that are, that are helpful for me. Um, because I feel like with all of this stuff, you can't, it's, you know, it's cliche, but you can't help someone else if you're not taking care of yourself. So very true. Very true. Someone, one of my mentors years ago told me the story. I'm, I'm not going to tell it well. Um, I'll just say that up front. But the story is basically you and a friend are in a canoe going down a raging river. The canoe shatters and now you're both trying to get up on this embankment. You grab a branch and you start pulling yourself up and you see your friend coming down. So you reach out and try to, you know, grab their hand and pull them up the embankment along with you. But now both of you have fallen in the water. And now you're going towards a, a waterfall and everybody's dead, right? Point of the story is that you have to kind of, sometimes you have to pull yourself up and get on shore footing and yeah. go for help or find, you know, find other resources to help people. You can't always do everything on your own. Yeah. You know, um, and that said, can you, I'm sorry, Stephen, go ahead and I'll ask my question. No, I was just going to say um, the story itself needed more of an arc and more of like a climax. <laughs> you know uh, what? <laughs> you know, arc. So then, and then the, so the people in the canoe are actually Stephen and myself. And then I kick yeah, him in his ass. Um, and then, and then <laughs> aliens. <laughs> then aliens. That's the logical next step. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. right. Exactly. What what's a, do you have any you don't have to give names or locations or anything like that, but do you have any uh, or, or one or two impact stories that you can share with us? Um, I just like for people, we like rather for people to hear those stories because it, I feel like it humanizes the experience a lot more. Sometimes the thing that may inspire someone to donate their time, their money, their efforts is like, oh, wow, there are, they can hear a story about real humans being positively affected by what's happening. Um, do you have any impact stories you are able to share with us? I mean, there is a lot. I mean, it's, it's nice. I, last weekend, one of the the people that come, um, he's really great. So sweet. And um, he was like, it just, you have no idea how much of a blessing it's been that you guys are here every week and, and bringing things. And it's really changed the lives of the people that live with me near the waterfront. And I don't know, it's just, it's nice. You know, we give out 200 meals and we know that 200 people are being fed. Like that is huge in itself. Um, whether it's, break it down personalized to each person but um yeah knowing and, and seeing people and having them come up and and building a relationship with them every week them knowing and seeing you and be like hey what's hey, going yeah. on it's good to see you i'm glad that you're here and it's also yeah and then we're like it's i'm glad you're here too it's great to see you week after week so can i ask you a, an unfeed the people related question is that okay yeah, that's fine. And sorry about the arc, Stephen. Mine was missing. I needed more aliens. I, I've got a bunch of notes. We'll go over after. Perfect. Thank you. I Thank wish you. you would, Stephen. I wish you would. Um, are you are you still doing stand up? And I ask because you know, and I'm not going to going to tell your story, but I, I I like to fashion myself a funny young lady, right? I, I like I like to think that I'm funny. Um, it's rare. Okay, Miss Humble. Okay. Oh no, I'm I'm not being being funny or trying to be humble at all. But I, I I like to think that I'm funny. 
and it's but it's rare when I go out and now, you know, having done it for so many years, not a lot comparatively speaking to other people, but having done it for seven years, and Stephen, you could probably attest to this too, but it's very rare when I go out and hear a comic coming on stage and I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay and watch this set. Like that's a rare thing because I'm like, heard it, been there. I'll, I'll come watch old Mike B later. Shout out to old Mike B, just busting your balls. <laughs> He's gonna be so hurt. His feelings are, so, I can feel his hurt ass feelings from across. You know why I gotta get Mike a chair? He's got sugar on his grits. I will talk about that later. I, and he should be, man, that's blasphemous. I, I can't help him there. He's a monster. So, <laughs> but when you're coming, when I, when I see you in the spot, I'm like, okay, bet. when are you going up? Okay, because I want to be in the room. I want to see your material. It's usually something new and not just new for the sake of being new. It's usually poignant. It's dark. And there's a turn you are not expecting and you're going to laugh your ass off. Please tell me you're still doing comedy. Please tell me you'll be back on stage when the stage is open. If the answer is no, I'm, I'm Xing you out of this chat. Oh, I miss comedy so much. Um, I haven't done any Zoom comedy things. I'm still teaching, though. So that's oh, been great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Please talk about that a little bit, if that's okay. Can we, if we can share the stage with that, too? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm still teaching uh, comedy workshops. I do um, a couple of them now. I'm doing uh, a work. It's called Coping Through Comedy is the organization that I started. And... Um, we do comedy writing, um, stand-up comedy and storytelling with cancer survivors. So it's a way to use comedy as a healthy coping mechanism. So kind of just getting in there, getting through the dark, gritty, grimy stuff and finding the light in it. I, isn't that amazing? And this is why she's such a rock star. Like, I'm like, oh, so you just are terrible, charitable as fuck. Okay, got it. How many, <laughs> how many organizations are you, have you started and or a uh, part of? Um, I started teaching coping through comedy two years ago. Oh my God, it's been, no, almost three years. Holy shit. Um, and then I started organizing feed the people um i mean there's other organizers that work with me um so those those two are the main ones that i'm I focused on and working with right now oh yeah are you would you ever consider coping through comedy doing some sort of virtual event with your students performing yes um we're getting ready to start a workshop in the next next month so we'll there'll be like a six-week workshop and then afterwards they'll be ready to go. So if you ever. Okay. Duh. We're already, Stephen and I are always like, already like, okay, I think I see a partnership idea here. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're working on a thing. Maybe this could be a segment. We'll talk about it later, but okay. yeah. these are all the reasons why I absolutely love, adore and admire Charity so much. She is an amazing, brilliant genius. Um. Okay, so I think we are just about out of time. Charity, we've got the link tree up. Um, and that's outward facing to everyone? Everybody can see it? I believe so. Okay, no. Jared, Jared, I think so. Jared, Jared knows. Shout out to Comedy Hub. Shout out to Jared because he operates hey. all the technological stuff and we just look pretty. I um, mean, doy. <laughs> um <laughs> So, okay, so we've got the link tree out there. Um, is there a way that people can get involved from like a volunteer standpoint? Did we discuss that? 
Yeah, so um, they can just show up on Saturdays at the circle um, and dive right in, or they can send an email or reach out to us via um, the Instagram, like a DM. But there's an um, an email link within the link tree. Cool. What's your Instagram? What is the Instagram for Feed the People? It's um, FTP Mutual Aid. FTP, hold on, F like Frank, T like Tom, P like Papa, Mutual, mutual Aid. Mutual Aid. So again, people, that's Feed the People, FTP, Mutual Aid, uh, sorry, that's the at on Instagram. Follow them. We're following them. If you can't find it, go to the Nonprofits Pod. And oh, there we go. And and uh, okay, FTP Mutual Aid on, on Instagram. But you can also go to the nonprofits um, Instagram, and then in the comment section or in the caption, we have a link also to the Feed the People Mutual Aid um, Instagram page. You can go there and find out all the information that you need. This is not just a cause. This is community. Um, if you yeah. want to be a part. I mean, I don't, I look, I don't get Collective that community care. That's okay. what we call it. It's collective community care. Also, community care. also I, I know that we've got a lot of people watching from across the country. And so figure out who's doing this where you are living. Um, yeah. You know, so many. Also, uh, just give some money to charities organization. Yeah. You can also do that. No matter where you are, Cash App, Venmo, those things all still work. Um, yes. <laughs> give, give, give. You know, it's, it's, distribute those monies. Yes, like, Robin Hood that shit. Robin Hood that shit. Okay. Word. Charity, we love you. You are fantastic. Oh, You're a phenomenal human. Thank you for being good at being a human. It's so important. Steven, we need to step our game up. Okay. I'm doing my best. I'm, you I'm know doing what? That's fair. I feel like we're all. <laughs> well, look, I, look, I, I backslid on my on my proper eating here. Okay, and I, yes, I had garlic pasta for breakfast. Fine, I'll just say it out loud. Um, okay, I've, I've digressed, but this has been a wonderful episode of the nonprofits with Charity Sade of Feed the People. Thank I'm you for French. Me. Oh my God! Shut your perfect face. You are welcome anytime. I'm Frankie French. Episode 10. I'm Stephen Campbell. Word. Thank you so much. Shout out to Comedy Hub. Thank you for having us. Always. Thank you, Comedy Hub.